Today's scripture reading comes from selected passages from Proverbs. The references can be found in your bulletin. Don't those who plan evil go astray, but those who plan good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but all those who hurry end up with loss. Complete your outdoor work and prepare your field. Afterward, build your house. The plans of the righteous are just. The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Plans fail when there is no counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way, of de- is the way to death. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. A person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Lori, for reading those. This fall, we are in a series on the book of Proverbs. We live in a very contentious time. There is a lot of tension still that we're living in as a culture. There's a lot of uncertainty that we're having to deal with as we think about our lives and our futures. And it can be tempting. It can be tempting for us to think that what we need to get, we need to get the right politicians in office. Or we can think, you know what, I need to get the right answers to all these controversial questions that keep coming my way, all the tension that I see amongst family members, neighbors, and online. I need to get the right answers. Or I just need to get you know, on the right side. As long as I'm on the right side of these cultural conflicts and disagreements, then I'm okay. The reason we're studying the book of Proverbs is because Proverbs says, while there may be some good in all of those things in getting those, there is something far, far more important that we need to get, and that is wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, get wisdom. Above all else, get understanding. Wisdom is the ability and the skill of taking what is right, taking what is true, taking what is good, and applying it to a specific circumstance or situation. And Proverbs recognizes our circumstances and situations are always changing. 
They're not simple. They're very complex and very challenging. But wisdom is taking what is good, what is true, putting it to use in a way that brings glory to God, that brings good to our neighbors, even those who we disagree with, our enemies, and grows us in character. The book of Proverbs was written as a collection of wisdom to teach us and train us to be able to get that kind of wisdom, and we need that. Wow, do we need that in our lives today? As you can see from the selection of Proverbs that we just read together, Proverbs has a lot to say about plans, about making plans, about our plans and about God's plans and how all that fits together. I can preach this sermon now in 2021 about plans and making plans. But if I were to have preached a sermon about making plans, probably last year at this time in 2020, everybody would have just been laughing the whole way through the sermon. Plans, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those plans. I remember when we had plans. That's such a funny joke. The pandemic, the guidelines, all the restrictions that we had to live through, especially in 2020. All the changes that came and all the developments that we didn't know what was going to happen and how it all play out. It pretty much made all of our planning useless. And that was very difficult. Never before have we had to live through, right, uh, a time when all of us had this shared experience where all the plans that we made, you know, this is really the whole world, where all our plans were either canceled or massively disrupted in some way. School, canceled and disrupted. College, work, family vacations, holiday celebrations, For our church, some mission trips that we were really excited about going on, career steps and aspirations. Just keep filling in the blank. You name it, it was all canceled or changed. Some of those plans have been lost or changed forever. Some we've been able to resume. This morning, as you think about all that, you may be still dealing with some of the grief and loss that comes from those canceled plans some of those change plans. Or you might be dealing with the anxiety that comes from realizing just how much is outside of our control, how little our plans often affect our future. A recent survey found that 50% of people say the pandemic has made planning for the future seem impossible. So if that's accurate, then here, you know, half of you are like, yep. You know, plans are still kind of a joke. I'm still smiling when you say the word plans. This morning, as we consider the wisdom that Proverbs has for us when it comes to planning, making plans, maybe we can just step back and go, man, what we went through, that was crazy. We might never go through something like that again. But maybe it puts us in the best possible place for us to ask the question and consider, have I become wiser when it comes to making plans. So let's look at this together. You'll see there are four points, four steps uh, to what Proverbs says about making plans. First, make your plans. That's how I would summarize a very clear teaching from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs says very clearly, make plans. If you want anything good to happen in your life, anything good, 
It won't happen by accident. Make a plan. Make a well-thought-out plan. Get clear on your goals. Think about the obstacles that you might face to meeting those goals. And then carry out your plan and stick to it. This is how a wise person lives. Let's put up some of these Proverbs that speak to this. 14.22. Don't those who plan evil go astray, but those who plan good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. 20.28. Finalize plans with counsel. Wage war with sound guidance. 12.20. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but all those who hurry end up with loss. All right, let's take all those together. There's a clear teaching there, and this is found throughout the book of Proverbs. Meeting and experiencing God's faithfulness. Like 1422 says, his steadfast love. Finding joy in life, 1220. Making profit, having economic success or success and prosperity in life, 21.5. Proverbs says all of this comes as a result of planning. The necessary implication is we can't expect any of these things to happen in our lives apart from having a plan. Without thinking about the right goals and the strategies and the steps to achieve these goals and the perseverance to stick to the plan, none of these things will come into our lives. And to those who live haphazardly and say, I just go with the flow or try to rush and hurry things, these things don't come. Proverbs 24, 27, that's also in your bulletin, says, complete your outdoor work, prepare your field, and afterward build your house. All right, that's an example of a very simple plan, three-step plan. It's saying if you want to establish yourself and have a life, don't focus on building your house first. If you have no way to sustain yourself, clear your ground, plant your fields and crops, and then build your house. And then you can establish your life. So it's saying recognize the steps, the necessary steps in meeting your goals. Okay, modern day, that's an agrarian society. Modern day, we'd say, don't expect to buy a house in California when you're 25. Instead, work for 35 years and you can afford one when you're 70 years old. I'm sorry, that just hurts people. It's probably not a good joke. Not something to joke about. But the point is, these things come in order. If you have a plan, you have to have steps. You have to plan the steps and the strategies in order to meet that plan. The word plan, it comes from, in the Hebrew, a word and a concept in Hebrew that includes counting, includes calculating, thinking, devising, which takes time and which takes patience. Being in a hurry or being hasty, as the Proverbs say, is the antithesis of planning. So that's the first point, make your plans. And every day in California, I was thinking about this, we have an example. Most every day I see this happening of what happens when people make plans and when people don't make plans. And it happens on the highways, on the freeways, and it happens on the regular streets. Because often when I'm driving, I'll see, and I never do this, I see people, uh, they're driving and all of a sudden they're cutting across like three or four lanes of traffic at the last minute to get off on the exit that they need to get off on, right? And I'm always like, dude, 
you just have to go to the next exit and do a U-turn like the rest of us instead of putting all of our lives in danger because you didn't plan well. So I'm very self-righteous about that, I know. But we see that that's an example. When we don't plan, we put ourselves and we put even other people in harm or in danger. An application to consider in our culture in Orange County, yes, we live in California, we're laid back, we like our Southern California vibe, but we also like to plan. As some of you, your parents probably had a plan for you. Maybe some of you kids feel like, my parents have a very well thought out plan for my life that I need to stick to. And some of you, that was how your parents were. Be a good student. Get these certain grades. Get into a good college so you can be successful. Or kids and parents now, we need to have a plan for your activities, for your sports, for music or dancing. We need to develop you. We need to find the steps to do that. And all that's well and good. Those are good things to plan for. But I would like you to consider this. What about a plan for our spiritual formation? What about a plan for our part in God's mission to bless our neighbors and witness to Jesus? What about a plan to work on our character, areas of deficiency or lack or growth? Do you have a plan for those things? At this point, Proverbs would challenge us and say, should we expect any of these things to just happen without a plan? And the answer is no. Make your plan. Secondly, though, Proverbs says very clearly, yes, make your plans. If you want anything good to happen in your life, it won't happen by accident. But having said this, Proverbs also says very clearly, don't trust your plans. Make them, think hard about them, stick to them, but don't trust them. It sounds contradictory, but let's look at how Proverbs teaches us this. Let's look at the first slide, 12.15 and 15.22. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. 15.22, plans fail when there's no counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's a fairly straightforward point these Proverbs are making, right? It's saying if your plan is just and only your plan, you came up with it all by yourself, you thought through everything all by yourself, it's not a good plan. That's what Proverbs said. If you say, well, it seems right to me, but you haven't invited anybody into that plan, Proverbs says, you are a fool. Those kinds of plans don't succeed. Or they succeed at the wrong thing. But if you share your plan and listen to the advice and counsel of others and involve the advice of people you trust, there is a far greater chance that you have a good plan with a good goal and a far greater chance that it will succeed. Why? And the answer is this. You and I are far more limited in our perspective, in our wisdom, in our knowledge and understanding than we like to admit. There's so much we don't know. There's gaps and there's deficiencies in our perspective. So don't trust your plans if they are yours only. Next slide. That's the first limit that Proverbs tells us should lead us not to trust our plans. Secondly, 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the perversity of the treacherous destroys them. The plans of the righteous are just. 
The counsels of the wicked are deceitful. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. These Proverbs make the point that our plans emerge out of our character. A wicked or perverse, meaning twisted heart or person, doesn't make good plans because out of his heart or his or her heart, a twisted plan and goal will emerge. The point being made here is that we are limited in our integrity and in our character, all of us, far more than we know. Proverbs 16.2 says, we think our ways are pure, but God knows the heart. He knows our true motives. So don't trust your plans fully because they may be coming from gaps. They may be coming from deficiencies in your character and in your integrity. We still have far more areas to grow in than we are aware of. Next set of slides. Do not boast about tomorrow. Proverbs 27.1 says, we do not know what a day may bring. Yep, 2020 taught us that for sure. 16.25, there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Even if we have wise counsel and advice and a solid and mature character with the right motives, still we have no idea what tomorrow will be like. And... This is where, oh, here it is. This is where a quote from Master Yoda can be helpful for us. It's in the reflection quotes. Difficult to see, he said, always in motion is the future. But we read that uh, from a more reliable source in the book of James earlier. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And this is one enduring lesson we learned from 2020, just how much is outside of our control, how limited we are. And not only that, Proverbs 16, 26 says we can do all our homework. We can do all our planning. We can set out on a path. This seems right to me, we say, but its end is the way of death. What seemed right to us as human beings, and the Hebrew here emphasizes our humanity. It says what seems right to a person, to a human being that we've planned for so long, put so much of our time into, we may realize at some point, wait a minute, this isn't leading me to life. This isn't leading me closer to God but away. So all of our plans are subject to change. Another word that Scripture uses for that is repentance. Repentance is a change of direction. We're heading in one direction. Repentance is to realize this isn't leading me to God and to life and to turn into a different direction that leads to life. And Proverbs throughout, especially this Proverbs 1626, impresses this point upon us. Often, even if we have all of our ducks in a row in our planning, what seems like it is right to us, what seems like it leads us to life actually leads us to death, and what seems like it'll lead us to death, putting ourselves aside, being selfless, as Proverbs defines righteousness, disadvantaging ourselves for the sake of the larger community. What seems like death to us is actually life. And Jesus said, you can gain the whole world and forfeit your soul. Make plans, but don't trust your plans. We have limited perspective and wisdom. We have limited character and integrity. 
And we have a limited, a very limited ability to predict the future. So we can't trust our plans. Here's an illustration that hopefully will make it uh, come home to us. If you went to a financial planner, some of you are in that line of work, their job is to make a plan for you. That's their whole job. I'm willing to plan for you. And they said, uh, you're just doing the interview. You're sitting down. They say, you, you know, I want your business. So here's my introduction. Um, first, I just need to start out and say, I just don't know everything there is to know really about money. I don't really know everything there is to know about investing. Yeah, I, often, I just work alone. And I just come up with my own ideas. Yeah, I don't need to do all that research and stuff and talk to other financial planners. I do my own thing. And I have no idea what will happen with the markets or any of our funds tomorrow. Now, some of that might be true, but if that's the leading sell that you're getting, if that's how the financial planner is selling their services to you, you'll probably find a different financial planner. You wouldn't trust that person. And in a very real sense, that's us and our plans for our lives. So make your plans and be diligent, Proverbs says, but don't trust your plans. Acknowledge your limits. Thirdly, trust God's plans. All right, so the first two pieces, make your plans, don't trust your plans. We really cannot hold those two together. Even as a parent they are, as a parent as they are just from living life, we can't hold those two things together without this third piece. How can we make a plan but not trust in it? We'll get frustrated. We'll get disappointed. We'll say, what's the point of making plans if they're always falling through? Or we'll live in constant worry and anxiety. Will this plan happen? I don't know. I can't trust it. Or we'll get jaded and become passive and apathetic. Proverbs says there is a way to plan with confidence and with diligence, yet free from presumption and worry and anxiety, no matter what happens when you have this third piece. There's a bunch of Proverbs that I want to put up here. We read them once, but we need to look at them all together. 16.1, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. 16.4, the Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. 16.9, a person's heart plans his way, but the Lord determines his steps. 16.33, the lot cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Many plans are in a person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. I'm reading all those together again for all of us, just so together they can have their impact on us. From these Proverbs alone, without even turning to other places in the Bible that we could turn to and will in a moment, we can develop a pretty simple and straightforward theological conclusion, which is this, God has a plan. To be a little bit more sophisticated, God has a plan. And it is an absolutely comprehensive and unassailable plan. Proverbs says it's down to what even seems random. It says the lot, casting lots, is a way that it's kind of like rolling dice. What would happen 
often in the ancient world. It says that is a part of God's plan. What can seem random to us? What kind of toothpaste did I use this morning? It's weird and it's hard for us to, why, why is that a part of God's plan? I don't know, but somehow even God's plan stretches to that. Even to sin and evil, 16.4 says, even those who do evil, God somehow can overrule that evil in his good plan. We have our plans. There are plans. 16.1.9.19.21 says, we have plans in our hearts. They're ours. But it is God who determines our steps. His decree will prevail. And God's plans have none of the limits that our plans have. He is all wise. He is all knowing. He is all good. And he is holy. And the goal of his plans are always what is best. Let me introduce a few more passages of Scripture that speak to this. Ephesians 1, 9 through 11. It says, God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, Jesus, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We already read Romans 8.28. We know that for those who love God, all things work for good for those who are called according to his purpose or his plan. One more from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah said, remember this and be brave. Take it to heart, you transgressors. Remember what happened long ago, for I am God. There is no other. I am God. No one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, my plan will take place. I will do all my will. I'm bringing up those passages just to highlight one simple point, one simple word, the word all. All means all in a comprehensive sense. It is mysterious beyond our ability to grasp, but God's plan encompasses all things. They work to the counsel of his will. All things work together for good. My plan will take place. I will do all my will. It is comprehensive, and it is foolproof. Now, we don't have any questions about that, do we? Of course, we have many questions about how does that all work? How do I have my plans and God has his? If God has a plan, no matter what we do, do we just not do anything? Do we just not, not try? We just give up and say, whatever. If I'm just going to spend my life watching Netflix and eating pizza every day of my life, well, it, it's God's plan because it happened. Is that the way it's supposed to go? No. But why? Rightly understood, this simple, straightforward theological conclusion is the key to being careful in our plans but not controlled by our plans. We don't understand how things play out in our lives because of our limits. But Proverbs says, God is directing our steps. And we have to see what that's saying. It's not saying God will direct our steps if we ask him to. God will guide us if we pray for his guidance. It doesn't say that, not here. It says God is directing our steps as a fact, even when we don't know it or how or when our plans succeed and when they fail. Wow, somehow God is directing my steps. 
There are questions we have, but this can be incredibly freeing. We plan, but we let go of control. We don't put our trust or our hope in our plans. We can see this. We can glimpse this. There is great mystery to how this all works. What's hard about this is we can't see this looking forward into the future, but often we can see it looking back. For most of us, if you think about your life and say, like, how many of the things that are the key components of my life right now were a part of my plan? Some of you might be doing the career you plan to do, etc. But the life that you have right now, as you look back, and then you come to present day, you can say, wow, I didn't plan those things. But there's great meaning, there's great encouragement to see God's faithfulness and how he planned those things that you had no idea about. For me, growing up in Florida, if I were to have said, one day I hope to move to California. I'd never even moved to California. I've never even been to California before. And I hope to marry a wonderful Mexican-American woman. I've never even met a Mexican-American woman. And that is my life. And if I were to say, I hope to have four boys one day, I had never even thought of that concept of having that many kids, which they're great. <laughs> and that is my life. And I look back and go, God was directing my steps. And it's not all stuff where we go, that makes sense. I'm so thankful for those parts of my story. There's the wonderful things and there's the things that we don't understand, but we take it all together and go, I was planning some things, but God was directing my steps all along. And that enables us to embrace the life we have and trust God for what's ahead of us in our lives. Let me move on to another question. 1619, 1921, these Proverbs basically say, no matter what you do, God has a plan. Well, does this make all of our plans just like we're pretending? No matter what we say or what we do, does that God just say, oh yeah, that's, that's kind of funny, I'm just gonna do my plan anyway. That's not how scripture lays it out. We are not robots living out our predetermined script. No, our plans, our plans, the ones we choose, the ones we make in our hearts are a part of God's plans. That's the best way I know how to describe it. I know it doesn't answer every question. Theologians use the word compatible. Two things that seem contradictory, they're both taught in Scripture. So they're compatible. And if we're able to set aside some of our lofty questions and philosophical speculations, there is so much peace. There is so much comfort. There is so much confidence we can have in living our life forward and even in making plans. Let me explain it like this. God's plans cover everything that cannot be thwarted. That's clear. Just in Proverbs, our plans are necessary for us to have joy, to live in God's covenant faithfulness, to achieve the right goals and to get wisdom. Clear in Proverbs, both are taught, both are needed to make plans wisely. When you try to tone down and put limits on God's sovereign plan, you lose all the comfort and peace. If you put any limits on that, if there are some things that are not in God's plans, then there are forces outside of his control, outside of my control, that might impact my life in such a way that brings me harm, 
that's outside of anybody's control. And if that is true, then that can either lead us to obsessive control or all kinds of worry and anxiety. It will make us be over-responsible. One of the earliest insights into anxiety, into the psychological sense of anxiety that many of us feel. Viktor Frankl said, anxiety at the root comes from a sense of unfulfilled responsibility. And I think there's a lot of insight into that. In his book, Man's Search for Meaning, he said that. Anxiety has many causes and ways to address, but at the foundational level, if we are over-responsible, if we think it all depends on me, then that is the root of so much of our worry and our anxiety. But this, at the foundational level, God has a plan. God has a plan. can give us great comfort and peace. In the same way, when you tone down our human responsibility and say, whatever's going to happen is going to happen, you lose what is required to get a heart of wisdom. You lose what Proverbs says we have to do to get it. Hard thinking and effort. It's not handed to us. You have to choose it. You have to pursue it. You have to sell everything, Proverbs says, in order to get it. Day by day, over time, it is walking down a path of wisdom, making the right choices with careful planning. That's the only way to become wise. If you tone this down, you become passive and you become under-responsible. The only way to be responsible but not over-responsible is to make plans, but don't trust your plans and to trust in God's plan. What makes this hard, one of the things that makes this hard, is God reveals to us his ultimate plan, but not his specific plans. We want to to question God like a math teacher. When your math teachers would say to you, Okay, you have the fill in the blank for the answer and there's the problem there and you just fill it in and they'll turn it back to you and what will they say if it just has the answer? Show your work. Show me the steps of how you got to that answer. It's difficult for us because God says, I am going to show you the ultimate answer, but we don't have access to know all the steps. There is the final plan. This is the final plan of God, that there is new creation and resurrection. All that has been broken will be healed. All that is dark will be made light. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Tears will be no more. Sin, evil, and Satan will be gone. Death will be no more. He tells us, this is my plan, and everything is a part of it. but to bring it deeper into a question of our hearts that we have when we struggle, when we suffer, when we don't understand why our plans fall through. How can we trust, we say, how can we trust you, God, when we don't know how this specific hardship, this specific struggle, this specific grief or loss or hurt could possibly be a part of this plan to get me there? We wonder, why this, God? Why was this your plan for me? And to answer that, I want to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 4. In the book of Acts, chapter 4, we see at the very heart of God's plan and purpose for this world, 
in Jesus Christ. These tensions come together and they're resolved in such a way that we can trust God no matter what is happening in our lives. It says in Acts 4, 26, they're praying. This is a time of prayer. They're quoting from the Psalms and saying, the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers assembled together against the Lord and his Messiah, against Jesus. 4, 27 uh, says, in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, they assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. And again in Acts 2, 23, says this Jesus has been delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. The plans of men were the plans of men of which they were responsible for. And it was the worst plan of humanity ever. God is with us. God has come to redeem us. God has come to bring the kingdom of light and healing. What should we do? Let's kill him. Let's reject him. And even in the worst possible of all human plans, Acts tells us this was a part of God's definite plan. That he, in the worst of human plans, in the most sinful of human plans, turned the tables on sin and evil in order to bring about the greatest good possibly that we could imagine. God's plan for salvation, for the redemption of the world he made, even included his own great suffering and pain in Christ. Is God able to transform our suffering and sinful decisions and bad plans into something glorious and redemptive? Can he take the worst of plans and make it a part of his good and his glorious plan? We look to Jesus. We look to the cross and the resurrection, and that is the way that we are able to say yes, even when we don't see the specifics. The worst and most terrible of plans, the darkest and the hardest and the most painful plan turned out to be a part, the crucial part, the turning point in the best and the most glorious in the most healing of plans. If God can turn the human plan to rid ourselves of God into the very centerpiece of his plan to restore us to himself, then God can turn any plan into good. Proverbs 21.30 says, there is no wisdom, there is no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. And we might read that and go... Man, and want to rebel against that. There's nothing I can do to escape God's plan and feel in pride. Wow, that violates my self-determination. But when read properly and received properly, this is the most comforting proverb probably of all. There's no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can succeed against the Lord. What good news if God's purpose for you, as we read earlier, Romans 8, 29, is to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ and to bring complete healing and redemption to you and to all things 
then what great comfort to know nothing can succeed against that. Charles Spurgeon said, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow on which you lay your head. This is your pillow, friends. No matter what's happening, no matter if you made the worst of plans and they're not turning out the way you hoped, God's plan and purpose for you will succeed. Lastly, I just want to wrap this up with a few final thoughts. Make your plans. Don't trust your plans. Trust God's plans. And finally, commit your plans. Let me see if I can just briefly pull this all together and help us all see how does this all work? How does this all work together? I'm going to focus on one proverb, Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The way that I worded my fourth point, it's actually not accurate to this proverb. And let me explain this. It doesn't say commit your plans. It says commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. And often we get it wrong and backwards. It doesn't say tell God all about your plans. Ask him to bless your plans and be obedient. Try to be good. And he will establish those plans for you. That's not what it says. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do. And the Hebrew there is a great word. If you look this up, every other place it's used in the Old Testament, it's the word roll onto. It's used of stones. Roll the stone over here. Roll it onto something else. Roll whatever you do onto the Lord is what this says. And he will establish your plans. We think, Lord, establish my plans And I will commit to you whatever I do if you bless my plans. And it's saying the complete opposite. We might not say it, but we often think it this way. But I believe it's so much of at the heart of how we relate to God. It's behind so much of our struggle and disappointment with God. We think, God, you are failing me when our plans fall through. When we have disappointment, when we have lost because of the plans that we want to see happen, but they don't. And we think it's God disappointing us. We think it's God letting us down when, in fact, it's our plan that is failing us. We say, I tried to be good, God. I tried to do what you said. Look what you let happen and not happen in my life. That's what happens when we get this reversed. Here's how it works. First, we say, if I'm going to commit to the Lord everything I do, we have to be entirely convinced that he's committed to us. Is he committed to me? Well, Jesus said, my plan is to make sure all your plans, no matter how foolish they are, no matter how wrongheaded they are, short-sighted, selfish, and even sinful, my plan is to make sure all those plans end up in glory. And I gave everything to make sure that they do. Is Jesus committed to us? How could he convince us more so that he is? He has already given his life so he could redeem all of our plans. So we commit everything to him. We roll on to the Lord everything we do. We put it on top of God's plan. If we could picture it as the foundation, his purposes, his will, his plan is what we build our plans on. 
And if our plans fail, then what's underneath us? It's the foundation of God himself. We haven't lost our foundation. We haven't lost everything when our plans fail. We're still standing on solid ground. And he is there to catch us and to rebuild us. So make your plans. Don't trust your plans. Trust God's plans and roll everything you do onto the Lord. And from there, he will establish you. Let's pray together. Ask the Lord to give us that wisdom. Lord, we do ask for that wisdom. There's so much we don't understand in all of this and how it all fits together. It requires, we know, so much faith and trust. And this morning, as we are all in various places with the plans that we're hoping in, the plans that we have made, looking back and seeing the plans that we had to let go of, I pray this morning you would enable us to renew our trust, that you would give us a vision that your plans for us are good. And where we don't understand it, where we have to hold on, I pray you would give us the grace to hold on, turn our eyes to your son Jesus so we would see you are committed to us and nothing can thwart that plan. We pray in his name, amen.